Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Michael and Nate catch up after missing each other this year at Six Flags. And during hurricane season, we ask the question, where is God during the hurricane? So sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how's it going this week? It's going well, Nate. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm doing great. I uh, went to Six Flags over Texas this weekend for Nazarene night, and we missed you there. Yes, this is the first Naz night I have missed in a long time. I I was at a, a high school football game where my daughter was cheering, and my son uh, was uh, he was working the chains, and my... Uh, my other son was running around like a like a little kid at a football game. Yes, I used to love those days. The <laughs> the tackle football games in the side of the stadium were epic. Oh yeah, they always get in trouble and then they have to come back up and sit with their parents. Yeah, and and, and then somebody gets mad eventually, but yeah, that's good stuff. Well, we didn't think Six Flags was going to happen when we were driving into Arlington, Texas. It was uh there was a dense dark cloud right up in front of us we were looking I mean, it was like sitting right over six flags yeah we got there late because of traffic and it was pouring down rain just getting into the park and i'm thinking why are we even running into the park we will not ride a ride this entire evening by seven o'clock it was clear not necessarily sunny but we got to ride all the rides we wanted, and uh, except for the Joker, was out of commission for most of the night. But oh. my favorite ride was the Texas Giant. They, since they've redone that thing, that is a really fun ride. Really? I learned something about perseverance there, too. Oh, really? Because we were walking up. This this will preach right here. You okay. Know, this will, all right. We were walking up to the line. It was like right before 11, before they're about to close everything. And about 30 people come back at us and say, they're closing the line down. Well, we had just walked by a Six Flags employee like at the beginning of the line. I'm thinking, why didn't they close it there? So I'm like, let's go up there anyway. Let's just go see. <laughs> and, and so we, we walk it's all the way, because we hadn't ridden it yet. We, we walk all the way there, and we get up to the line, and we're counting the number of trains to see if there's going to be enough room for us. And we were on the last train of the Texas Giant, and those 30 people missed out because they didn't have faith, they didn't have perseverance. <laughs> they didn't. Because they didn't somebody told it. them no. Mm-hmm. I, I was saying yeah. he persisted. You ever yeah. heard that term, she persisted? Like, yeah. he persisted. So. Yeah. Well, the uh, my, me and my kids had a similar experience at the uh, Fiesta Texas in San Antonio. Where yeah, some, that's the uh, southern version of Six Flags yeah, Over Texas. Yeah, where somebody uh, threw up on the Superman. And uh, and we could. I bet si- Superman hated that when yeah. he got thrown up. Oh on yeah, it. got it was nasty. I'm sure. Um, 
for those sitting behind that person. I'm sure it was extremely oh, disgusting. But uh, we we could see the workers cleaning it up, and, and they closed it down. And people just were like, ah, oh, never mind. And they were leaving the ride, leaving the ride. And, you know, it just doesn't take that long to clean up throw up. So we moved, we took a big chunk of line just by persevering, you know. And, that is and great. Being willing to sit in a chair that possibly had been, you know, thrown up by- on. Yeah, by showing just a little patience and being able to overcome the idea that you might be sitting in puke. Um, yeah, one of the things I love about Nasni is I used I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, so I used to have season pass to Six Flags. Oh, yeah. And I remember one time uh, me and my friends went to Six Flags, and one of my friends and I, we left and we went and watched Indiana Jones uh, and The Last Crusade because we were just like, man – these lines are ridiculous on like Saturday, but when you go on Nasna, it's like, dude, you wait 30 minutes and oh, you've waited a long, long time. It's great. We got season passes to Fiesta, Texas, and if you go on a Wednesday, you're doing all right. Yeah, Wednesday would be the day to go. Yeah. Because it's like after the weekend travel that some people stay over till Monday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. but before the next weekend. So yeah, Wednesday is uh, for all you kids out there, if you're ever planning <laughs> a trip to a theme park. Wednesday is the day to go. Yeah. So, well, man, uh, it was. It's been a good week for me. Tonight, I'm going out with my wife and our intern Caleb and his fiance. Um, oh yeah, you know, Hayden. Hayden. So, yeah. we're gonna go out and have some Mexican food and play some mini golf. I think. Uh, oh really? Just get to know them a little bit. Yeah. Well, that so. sounds like fun. Tell them I said hello. I will. I will. Uh, Hayden, shout out to Hayden. She is an avid listener of the podcast. And um, Caleb, maybe not quite as much, but still somewhat. So we'll, we'll give him a little bit of props. <laughs> I will say my intern class this year are my favorite so far because both of them listen to the show and Noah <laughs> listens to it on the way to Midwest City because it's like a 30-minute drive. And so one day I hear him think he's on the phone like bluetoothed in his car yeah and he's like sitting in the parking lot and i realize he's wrapping up a pontificating pastors that he started on the way to church so mm-hmm. uh yeah noah I mean, at least noah i threatened points. to i threatened to lick his eyeball years ago at a camp and uh, yeah he told me about that and uh and so we were he was at a camp in louisiana and i was speaking and he uh i was standing there talking to a crowd of people and all of a sudden i just get tackled by somebody and and get licked in the eyeball and that was noah doing that so yeah i i was like why in the world and uh (laughs) the way he said it to me i thought he was saying i looked him in the eye and i was like oh well i'm proud of you for looking someone in the eye when you talk to them like (laughs) my wife gets on to me for that all the time (laughs) and he kept saying it and i was like okay you looked someone in the eye and he's like no, I licked him in the eye. <laughs> he and did. I was like, why would you do that? Why would anyone ever do that? And then I found out it was at camp, and I realized yeah. that, especially at our camp with David Bond and Chris Holcomb, um, yeah. people do all kinds of things you would never do anywhere oh, else yeah. Oh, yeah. in your life at church camp. And that's probably what makes it some of the most fun times ever. So how's that's Wayfinders? It. Wayfinders is doing well. We... Uh, We've kicked off this new semester, and we've uh, seen some folks come back from the from the summer break, and uh, we've just we've got. It seems like we got a little bit of momentum right now, um, and uh, that's good. 
Momentum's yeah. always a good thing. And so uh I mean Toby Mac would totally agree. Momentum is amazing. <laughs> yeah, baby. He would sing about it, I think. Probably. We've got momentum, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I think that's a common theme. This week I showed up at church and I was like, Oh yeah, we can get most of our people in the same place at one time. Like summer's <laughs> over and yeah. It was a great day. We had a we had a wonderful uh group together and it was just there's a lot of positive energy so I, I feel your I feel your pain not pain I feel the the goodness of of school being back in session and people yeah. having routine. a little more uh routine yeah and so uh yeah well it was even a torrential a torrential downpour I don't know was if that's, it down there yeah I'm not sure it when you're supposed to use the phrase torrential downpour I'm not sure if it's like you know reserved for you know specific things like it has to rain you know so much and it has to you know measure this much and but i'm not sure if that's right to use torrential downpour but i'm going to use it because it was hey, raining it was raining i was a lot. we were at arlington first on sunday or saturday morning and i would call what happened after six flags torrential <laughs> i don't so, care how many inches it has to be of yeah. rain or whatever yeah. hey it brings up a good question um and this is just off the cuff, so you may kill me later for this. But, <laughs> you know, there, we're, we're in the midst of hurricane season, and Florence is bearing down on, on much of the U.S. right now. And I know you've been down south uh, where Harvey was. Right. Um, and An Orange. Yeah. So, so I was thinking, what do you do with people who interpret these events as God's judgment or punishment or acts of God against a group of people here or there and 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 how is as pastors maybe should we interpret these kinds of events I think you go out and you buy some work gloves and some shovels to muck out people's houses and you just go about the task of helping people rebuild their lives and you ignore the people uh, who want to assign all that information to it that says that it's something more than it is. Um, I think probably maybe in my response, given a close enough proximity to them, would be to uh, hand them a pair of work gloves and say, shut up and get to work <laughs> helping these people uh, clean out their house and, and rebuild their lives. So, Yeah, that is, that is a great response. I, I, I think about sometimes um, in the, the media and on Facebook and places like that, that that that's the picture we get sometimes because religious leaders have stepped out and said crazy things like that, you know, uh, like somehow yeah. God is, is performing judgment. Uh, for me as a scientist, I kind of, going back to the actual cause of some of these things, we always want to, you know, we, we want to blame ourselves when things go well and blame God when things go poorly sometimes. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. But I think... I think a really, really simple explanation for a lot of this, obviously, we live in a broken world, and so much of, of what happens even uh, with weather patterns, uh, climate, um, we impact that as, as, a, uh, as a race of people uh, by the way we sure. live and by the sure way we, we, we treat the earth we've been given dominion over. Um, and so I, I think that, that as a scientist, I can see that there's many, uh, many situations in the world that are broken. Paul talks about creation, groaning. Um, it, I, I think as Christians, maybe we need to be the first who care about the world. Um, we we kind of got away from that because we, we pictured ourselves as some souls 
um, who were disembodied and we were yeah. going to get out of here so we could just trash this place <clears throat> and God would make us a, a new heaven. Right. Um, I'm, right. I'm studying right now uh, the resurrection of Jesus and one of the one of the big things we're talking about is what gets raised. Like what what were the early disciples talking about? And it was definitely um, as we're studying a bodily resurrection, a sure. bodily resurrection, and um, ultimately it's actually Plato who started getting us on this trend of of souls, which is you know that's not a necessarily a Christian philosopher as much as no, uh, and so it it was the secular world that began to say. Um, they actually believed that this body was kind of this evil thing that you should shed. So death was sure. to be welcomed because you would just, you know, the shell of this evilness would be ripped away and this beautiful soul would emerge. And so uh, that's never been the Christian claim. And so I think to, to come back around to creation, that's how we got away from creation was we thought, well, we're just this beautiful soul inside of us um, is going to leave this terrible place and sure and that's pre, never a, been yeah a preoccupation with the a preoccupation with the uh, uh the afterlife uh tends to uh make you n- nullify some of the things that are happening in life um and and i think that's what sometimes our gospel has become a uh, a post-mortem gospel I, I, and i think you're right about the whole uh conversation about secular uh society sort of has given us our vantage point you know they they give us our vantage point on hell um when we think of you know yeah. demons and and satan and the pitchfork and a little red Good guy old Dante. The, yeah, yeah the, all of that that didn't come from scripture that came from popular culture uh and i think we face some of the same things um you know with the angels we we definitely have an angel issue you know how many songs are on the radio talking about uh you know, God's going to take you home, and you're going to be one of His angels. Yeah, that's that's never in Scripture. We yes. don't become angels. Yeah, Scripture doesn't tell us that we're going to turn into angels, but somehow we pick up on that. I think, um, and so definitely that Hellenistic thought that says, or that Platonistic thought that says, uh, all those things about disembodied, you know, souls. Um, I actually had a conversation um, with my son. I he said something about. I said. Yeah, that song uh, that was on the radio, whatever it was, uh, about us becoming angels. I said, he said that was a pretty good song. I said, well, it was a little bit, you know, of an emotional song. It was tearjerker, uh, <laughs> but it, but it wasn't. Way to ruin everything yeah. for your kids. I know it was I'm terrible. bad about that too. I, it was know? terrible. I said, but it was theologically just way off base. And he's like, what? You know. And so I said, yeah, you've never been to heaven before. And he said, yeah, we, we were in heaven before we were born, right? And I said, no, no. No, we're not in heaven before. Yeah, we're that's born. another that's another theory of the, of existence. Yeah, the well of souls where we to. God yeah. reaches in and he plucks out a soul to put inside a body, you know. No, you're the you're the combination of uh, 23 chromosomes from your mom and 23 from your dad and 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 whatever whatever a soul is. Uh, I one time Gerard Tashin was uh, walking through the halls of uh, Southern Nazarene University and we were having that conversation in the hall, you know, uh do we have a soul? How does this work? You know, and and somebody just stopped him and said, "Doctor Tashian, do we have a soul?" And he just looked at all of us and said, "We are souls," and we walked off, <laughs> and walked yeah. off, and we were like, "Oh, yeah." Yeah, and I I, I think getting back around to the original uh, discussion, that all matters 
when we think about how we think about the world we live in. Sure it is. Um, and, and so, you know, is it important for us to find uh, new resources that don't pollute the earth? Are uh, you know? Yeah. Are the thing are the are the types of transportation being considered? Are they important? And uh, yeah, yes, they are. You know that <laughs> you know that conversation that everybody's having. It seems to be in the news a lot lately about Elon Musk um, saying, uh, you know, smoking a joint on uh, on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. Have you heard about this? I haven't. Yeah, well, apparently. But I've been out of the loop, apparently. <laughs> well, I, it was just been in the news a little bit lately. The Tesla stock dropped. Sorry, you know? I was too busy worried about what Nike was doing and, <laughs> and what the president Kaepernick. was tweeting yeah. and who's being nominated so. for Supreme Court. And yeah. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I can't keep up with all of it. <laughs> yeah, well, he actually you know, went on Joe Rogan's podcast and he... Uh, he drank some whiskey and he smoked a doobie. I think and, I did hear about this now that you're and, saying it. And he's and so in that podcast it was crazy, right? Because it's like a two and a, a two hour, two and a half hour podcast, and they talked about all kinds of stuff. It was crazy. Um, the things that they they talked about AI, they talked about oh uh, gosh, electric. don't get me started on AI. Yeah, oh yeah, it was a crazy conversation, and they talked gonna about take over. Um, just all kinds of. Uh, like electric planes and his his thoughts on electric planes. But right at the first of the podcast, um, Joe Rogan asked him this question and uh, about you know why why do what you do and and what is your biggest concern or something like this. I, I can't remember the question. And uh, uh, Musk goes, uh, he starts talking about we need to move to alternative fuels faster, and he starts crying like he gets emotional. Right, and, and I, I, yeah, I've never seen him get emotional about things like that. I mean, I, I've been watching him, you know, like like the media is watching him. I'm not like hawk watching him, but I just watched this one, and I you're thought, not stalking him. No, I thought, but I thought, wow, that guy, like he really feels like this is a mission. This is his mission. Um, yeah, and he got all emotional about it, and I thought, huh. So he's, you know, he did all. He said all, he does crazy stuff. That uh, you don't want uh, CEOs of big companies doing, I guess, um, if you're a stockholder. But uh, but I I thought, wow, what an impassioned concern, and it got no media attention whatsoever, <laughs> like right. or didn't seem to that that when he started talking about his passion to uh, to get carbon out of the air, you know, put less carbon right. into the air, um, that he he so, gets emotional about that. I thought that was incredible that he had. Did that Joe Rogan? At any point, I mean, I have to know this. Did he? <laughs> did he say, "Well, Elon, it looks like you've been using your papers not for designing airplanes, but for rolling doobies." <laughs> no, I. If he did, I don't remember him saying that. That that was in loving memory of Chris Farley. So oh, is that okay? Tied together, yeah. That's a that's a Chris Farley. If you haven't seen that, then you no. are out of the loop. I haven't. That is, I haven't. But oh I... man, one of the great things about having two boys has been educating them on the ways of Chris Farley. Oh, <laughs> lovely, lovely. Back to uh, things like hurricanes, and uh, I think we could even say this last week, you know, obviously September 11th rolled around again, 
And I, I think many people have are concerned about how you know this evil stuff in the world, both both created by humans and um, and that which seems to be from nature, um, which I would say we may we may even influence that as humans. I think the brokenness of the world definitely has bearing on those things. But sure, um, sure. I mean, I would say I would say to the you know to the person who wants to launch into a theological tirade about why we're suffering these things, you know, that, that some of that conversation is pretty unnecessary, and, and I wish you'd just go and meet the people and realize they have faces and they have names and they have families and all, and all of these things. But at the same time, we need to, uh, we need to take responsibility for what is ours. If, if there's a climate issue, then, you know, and, and we're, you know, we kind of are hesitant sometimes, uh, and I'm not sure all the reasons that we're hesitant. Well, uh, I know why. Because yeah, go you're going to be a crazy liberal if you if you believe that oh. <laughs> there's any harm going to the earth at all. Yeah, that. You, you can't be a crazy liberal in front of your uh, Christian Republican friends. Come on. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, I understand. You know, it's there's there's some fear mongering that that keeps us uh, in in certain opinions, and there's. But it's on both sides of the issue, most of the time that there's 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 oh yeah uh, coercion going on and there's you know, uh, and and it's hard to know you know all of the facts. But it does seem like you know it seems like a a good idea not to put more carbon. I know that I breathe in oxygen so that that oxygen molecule <laughs> can can grab a couple of carbons and expel them from my body, right? Right. Yeah. Or what? However it works. Carbon dioxide. So I guess there's yeah, a couple of oxygen, couple of oxygens to get one carbon. You don't so, want one carbon per one oxygen. You're dead if you do. Yeah, that. you don't That's want carbon that. Monoxide, yeah. I'm sorry, I said that. I said that wrong. But no, you're good. You, if it takes two oxygens to get that one carbon out of there, then I know that I want to have a whole lot more oxygens than I do carbon. And so, you know, if if every car is putting out, you know, a bunch of carbon, then we need to. We need to make sure we're not cutting down too many trees. And yeah, I was gonna say know. if we're tearing down every tree, that helps restore that. Yeah, um, man, I got this problem in my house right now, and I have these carpenter ants that will get in the middle of my trees and eat the middle out of them. Oh no! And they'll just die. And so the guy who owned the house before me is like, "Yeah, we lost about one a year." I have these beautiful giant trees in my yard, and so uh, mm. before next spring comes around, I'm definitely spraying and doing everything I can because those trees to me are, they're just life giving, just sitting under the shade of them, watching them, watching the birds come through them. Um, so yeah, I, I guess what I was going to get to is the other side of that is, is what you're getting at is people, people want to assign blame. That's what we want to do for everything. And, and one sure. of the things you're saying is, is, you know, get, get in there and get your hands dirty and don't worry about necessarily, um, don't try to implicate God, uh, try to be Jesus. But I also think that that is what we see in those times of, of devastation and of disaster, um, is that God is there in ways that, that maybe we'll never see God at work in, in the normal, uh, you know, everyday routines of our lives. And, and I think that's where Jesus on the cross really, um, you know, Jesus... <laughs> cries out in desperation in the midst of uh, the darkest hour of, of his earthly life. You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And, and I think I think that's the one thing we can realize that no matter how dark the situation is and how deep um, just the trouble is that we walk through, that that Jesus has identified with us and that that God is there. And often, like you said, it's it's through the hands of people. This week I was preaching about, um, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, uh, for you are with me. Because we're in Psalm 23, and and I had to, had to be honest to our, our people and say, there are times, I think when we walk through such dark places that we can't see that God is with us. And uh, yeah. that's, that's when Jesus' cry really relates to us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But sure. the way that we do see God is with us is because there's someone next to us. And that's why community is important. That's sure. why the church is important. Yeah. Well, it's almost, and that's why getting in and getting your hands dirty is important yeah. in those times. And I think the work, um, the work in that is not um, pointing out God's wrath, uh, but pointing out God's goodness. Like yeah. uh, the church thinks sometimes that its work is to help God condemn everyone, even though God God's stated mission in Scripture is to redeem everyone. Yeah, um, and, and I was just reading my verse for today actually. Uh, when I got up this morning and I, I do this uh, daily kind of readings, it was um, actually John 3.16. Um, but it goes on to say, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. But, but it's much easier to want to condemn. Um, it's sure. much easier to try to explain things away sure. than to live with the mystery of, you know, um, sometimes bad things happen. Another statement right. I made this week is you can't control everything that happens to you, but you can control your response. <laughs> you can. You can. I, I think probably um, we're, we really do understand that destruction is easier than, than building something. Um, destruction right. is yeah. re- easier than redemption uh, with regards to the time it takes the effort that gets put into it, the tools that are necessary. Um, I mean, you know, remember when Count uh, Doku and uh, Yoda are in a lightsaber? Oh, yeah. They're in a lightsaber battle? You don't know how well I remember that because <laughs> Tyler, when he was a little boy, he would come up to me and it was so cute. He would be like, Daddy, play Yoda, do the flips. And that was that scene <laughs> when Yoda flips around everywhere right. and goes crazy. So yeah, I remember, but go on. Um, I, you know, I remember watching that with a friend and he was like, how come the bad guys always seem so much more powerful than the good guys? You know, Yoda's flipping around. Yeah. And he's a swordsman and whatever, but, uh, Doku's making the room fall apart. Yeah, you know, and uh, and and the but the truth is that I mean that's just an an aspect of where when in our storytelling we always it, it's always easier to destroy things. It's always yeah, easier I, when you don't care who gets hurt, when you don't care what gets torn up. Um, it's just easier to go about your if your mission is to tear everything up. That's an easier mission. Well, remodeling a house, you demo in a day and you rebuild for months. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those people who are going to be mucking out their houses here, uh, you know, in South Carolina because of flooding and uh, those people who did it in Orange and Houston, uh, this in Harvey, you know, that's uh, you, you, 
you spend, you know, everybody comes over and you drag the wet carpet out into the yard and you start pulling the sheetrock off the walls and you get that done pretty quick. Um, it's not, it's not easy work, but you get it done pretty quick and then you got to let everything start drying out. Yeah. And then, and then you got to go find, figure out what I need to purchase to, to replace this. And then you got to yeah. find somebody, Sheetrock, skilled laborers who can do the work. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a long and laborious uh, undertaking to rebuild. Um, and it's easy to stand beside and make commentary on why it got destroyed. Uh, but so maybe, maybe that's where we come to this week is um, maybe the shift that needs to happen in both Christianity and society is we've been in an age of deconstruction. Maybe uh, we need to be in an age of, of reconstruction. We need to begin that age um, at some point. Sure, I think that it, within that, if that's true, um, I think the church's responsibility then is to praise God. And and people, I think, uh, you know, especially intellectuals um, tend to write off uh, praise and worship as some kind of, uh, you know, uh, as we're trying to appease God or that worship is about yeah. God's ego. And the truth of the matter is that God, this isn't an ego thing for God. God's not saying you need to praise me um, because I... How many pastors' conferences have you been at where you can tell who the theologians are just by the worship service? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well... Because it's very very stoic and it's very... uh, Which I know we all come to God in our own way, but but I I get what you're saying. There there are times when we we feel like, you know, maybe um, to let our emotion and our heart into it Mm -hmm negates our head but I, I think the best the best of our leaders have always been those who have allowed their heart and their head to to work in sync you sure know? sure to not be at odds with one another but like there are times that I read a passage and I, I get an insight maybe from a commentary and it's like God just opens up new revelation and it's it's worship but there are also moments where I don't need to think deeply about Jesus, I love you. <laughs> sure. Well, and and worship initially, I mean, uh, at its at its best is some simply proclaiming that God is good, and so it's just right. this reminder. It's a reminder to everyone, whether they believe in God or not. It's from this is our job in the world. This is the work that we do, is to say God is good. You remember Moses struck the rock, right? Right. And the rock poured forth with water. And, uh, and God didn't tell him to strike it. He told him to, to speak to it. Um, and, and he said, now, what are you going to do tomorrow, Moses, when you need more water? You're going to go around striking rocks until you find one that works? You know, uh, right. what the people needed to know was that I would provide for them. And what you demonstrated is that you would provide for them. What are you going to do tomorrow when you can no longer provide for them? They yeah. need to trust me, not you. This isn't an issue of, of God's ego. This is an issue of uh, God's identity, God's ability. God, God is good. God created. Um, God sustains. Um, we don't. And right. so to take on to you know uh, to take on that role that says, "Hey, I can I can fulfill your needs. I can I can make what you need." Um, is is we're lying to ourselves and to everyone else, um, and so if we don't praise God, then people forget that God is good, that God is providential, that God is still there, um, and so we praise God, 
uh, as a reminder to ourselves, not as a reminder to God. God knows. We're not telling right. God anything new. Um, but so I think that the work that we do in that is to praise God. And for some reason, we seem to always think that it's our job to harp on the people who aren't praising God. And you know what you're not doing when you're when you're chastising everybody and you're pointing a finger? You're not worshiping. You're not worshiping because those are people God created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that's great. I, I think ultimately in the age of reconstruction, I think it's where we'll realize that people don't need to hear our words as much as they need to sense our love. And yes. Our, yes. So so when something big like this happens and we're praying, you know, obviously for our brothers and sisters in the Carolinas and all around. Um, and, but when something happens, if if this one lands uh, and does the devastation they're they're expecting, mm-hmm. um, the the thing for us as Christians is is not to always have to explain God away, but it it is to go and be Jesus. Um, let people see what God looks like in the midst of one of the darkest uh, and most difficult times in their lives. And those of us who've who've walked down these roads with friends and family, uh, I know, like you said, you've been in, in the Harvey vicinity. I live in Oklahoma where we've had tornadoes that have torn apart our city. Um, so we know that that these are difficult times, but that God is always present and Sure. And hopefully our response then is to show people that God is present when maybe they can't see the God that is present. So. Right. So, yeah, I think, you know, people are going to say to themselves, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And I think that if if the kingdom really can come in the embodied Christ in his church, um, then then the I think that what people will experience is what they thought was the worst thing that happened to them will become the best thing that ever happened to them as they're surrounded by people who who love them. Yeah, it's that beauty from ashes that we have posted up here at our church. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a great place for us to close off today. Okay. Hey, I hope you have a, a great rest of your week, and uh, I hope that... Uh, all the Rattler football goes well, and, <laughs> and we're, uh, we're going to take in some snoo soccer games, and my niece is there, and excited about some big events coming up here. we got Silence and Solitude Retreat, and we're going to do that um, seminar I told you about, How to Argue Like a Christian in a Week from Sunday. So oh, really excited about that. Fun, Tim fun. Tim Crutcher is going to come help us. So. Well, the next time you're in the stands at the soccer game and you're sitting next to Michaela Shoneman, say hey for me. I did, yeah. Last time she was texting you while we were in the game. So <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. Well, love you, man. I hope you have a great week, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, take care. All right, see you. Bye. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.